0: Good afternoon, everyone. Good afternoon. It's good to see everyone here today. Today, I was intending to continue my wisdom in relationships series. Uh, My first message was about wisdom in your relationship with church leaders. My second message was called honor your father and mother. Wisdom in your relationship with your parents, your earthly parents. Uh, And I was going to continue the series, and I plan to continue the series. It will be spread out over a few months, though, because June is Women's Ministry Month here at New Philly. And so I will not be permitted from touching the mic during that month. Uh, All the mighty women of God in this house are going to preach in the month of June. Uh, But I had to put a... Um, pause on the sermon series to preach this message, message today because there's an urgency to this message that I'm preaching today. So I'm going to preach a different message today, if, you, if that's okay with you. I am committed to follow up. Uh, I'm going to talk about wisdom in your relationship with the unbelievers, uh, like evangelistic wisdom. Uh, I'm going to talk about wisdom in your relationship with uh, homosexuals and the homosexual issue that is not being property or balanced Uh, addressing the balance matter by church leaders. Uh, And I'm going to talk about wisdom in romance. Let me tell you, there's a lot of foolishness, even here at our church, when it comes to romance. But uh, that's another matter altogether. Today, I'm going to uh, talk about a different message. Uh, I'm going to start right now. Earlier this year, as we got ready for our Sydney church plant, I sense the Lord highlighting Isaiah 43, 18, and 19 again. Today, all, all four campuses are going to get the same message through video today. Isaiah 43, 18, and 19 is a passage that I preached on back in 2008 when I was just a prayer team leader. I wasn't even the pastor of this church yet. And through this message, God prophesied that He would do a new work through a new church that would emerge, eventually known as New Philadelphia. And Isaiah 43, 18, and 19 goes like this Remember not the former things, nor consider the things of old. Behold, I am doing a new thing. Everyone say, New thing. New thing. Now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? I will make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. And by the way, those who are watching by video, if I say repeat after me, I want to repeat after me. And don't think I don't know if you are not doing that or not, okay? Because I got ears everywhere. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just playing, but please follow along. It makes it more exciting. <clears throat> God's done some amazing things in our church in our first five years. Amen? Yeah. But God is saying that what he's about to do in the next five years is so awesome and powerful that it's going to require us to forget the former things and to embrace the new all over again. This is why I believe the word that Dr. Tony Beckham shared at Friday Fire a couple of days ago. He also preached on Isaiah 43, 18 to 19. I believe his message was prophetic. As Tony shared... God's telling us to remember not the former things, do not consider the things of old. There's a newness to what God's about to do in the next five years, but new wine requires new wineskins. And I believe that God's wanting to give us a new mental grid. That's what Tony called it. A new mental grid, a new heart attitude through the uh, retreat messages that have been preached. I believe that God's giving us a new mental grid So that we can be moldable, adaptable, and teachable all over again. This is to prepare us for the next season, for the next five years. You know, yesterday in the uh, church office, my wife and I, Aaron and I, we sat down and we did some vision collaboration. Some vision collaboration and calibration. We don't do it often. And we realized that, by doing it yesterday, we felt like as the lead pastors, it will be important for us to do it at least a quarterly manner. So we, we are committed to try to do it a little bit more regularly. Uh, it was a wonderful meeting. It was also a tense meeting um, because it's not something that we're used to doing together. A lot of times in the past, I pray in my secret uh, prayer closet. I come out and then I tell, I tell, I don't even tell my wife. I just tell the whole church, this is what God's about to do. Let's move. And then we move. Uh, But to do it together with my wife, who is very prophetic, by the way, I should not overstep the gifts that she has. We ought to do it as one because we are married and the two will become one flesh. Amen. Amen. And so we are one. And so we ought to do it together as one. And so I'm I'm committed to do that. So anything I share from now on that's concerning our future, it will make sure make sure that I ran it through my wife first. okay? because that's what I'm committed to do more regularly. I may still slip up now and then, but, but hey, there's some grace, but we will, that's the ideal. That's the ideal that we're aiming for. Anyway, we had a vision collaboration type of meeting yesterday, and this is what we saw. Looking back in April of 2009, five years ago, when I took a pre-existing ministry called JSEM and turned it into New Philly, we were averaging 110 people each Sunday At this one site here. Today, five years later, we have quadrupled to 470 at four sites. What's interesting is our college ministry, Emmaus, also quadrupled in that same period. From one campus, Yonsei University, of about 30 students. To now four campuses, Yonsei, EWO, KU, and SNU, with about 120 students. God has been good to us, Amen. Five years from now, it will be 2019, right at the eve of 2020. And here are some things. Hey, I need some water. Give me some water in a cup. Give me it in a cup. Let me get some water. I'm sorry for that. Five years from now it will be 2019, and here are some things that as we discussed with each other, we felt like God was putting on our hearts. For the next five years. Are you ready to hear about it? Yes. Now we need to take all of these. Details into the place of prayer. And get confirmation. One thing you can be assured of. Is we don't move. Unless we're absolutely clear. That God's set to move. And so we, we wait for God's confirmation. But we just want to paint some broad strokes for you. Of what we see. By 2019. We hope to plant. At least. Three more international church plants. At least three more. Uh, City that's on our heart is Melbourne, Australia. So Sydney, get ready because you're going to take part in planting that church in Melbourne. Another city that Pastor Diane Daniels prophesied over me at the retreat was Pyongyang in North Korea. You might be like, you are out of your mind. (laughs) Yeah, it's not my idea. It's God's. You want to put the blame on somebody, put it on him. It wasn't me. I didn't even mention it. Pastor Diane Daniels mentioned it and prophesied that over me, that God will give us open doors to actually plant an English ministry in Pyongyang. I'm believing the Lord for it. And uh, the third city, we're not sure. Maybe um, Kuala Lumpur. Maybe Shanghai. Delhi, Tokyo. We're not sure, right? Uh, I'm sure the Lord will make it clear. But we're committed to the cities in Asia and in Oceania. So at least three more church plants, international. I asked Pastor Aaron, what about Emmaus chapters? In light of the prophecy that went out at the retreat that God is going to take Emmaus international. That he will no longer keep it domestic here. And I asked her, how many more Emmaus chapters do you think we should open? And we talked about different ideas that all Emmaus chapters may not look alike. We may have to partner with some local churches because we won't have a new Philly church plan in certain cities. And we got to be willing and wanting and adaptable to embrace partnering with local churches that are not New Philly. Um, But she said at least eight. (laughs) All right? You think I'm crazy. Look at that. (laughs) She said at least three international Emmaus chapters and possibly five in America. Now, we are staying away from America on purpose because we want to say no in order to say yes to what God has revealed to us. But regards to Emmaus, it's a natural decision because there's so many Emmaus alumni in America, uh, especially in certain concentrated areas. And so it makes sense that uh, this might be a very uh, possible open door that God would open up for us. So eight more Emmaus chapters. Uh, we want to open up a ministry training school. That will pump out spirit filled, anointed, full time ministers, missionaries that are able to do the work of God with the renewed vigor and fire into these next, uh, until Jesus returns. Uh, We also have on our hearts in the next five years, we have to open up a new Philly children's ministry and a youth ministry. If you can tell, we don't have one right now. The only ministry we have is we escort you to this little room in the the side where our little infants are chilling right now. But these infants will no longer just chill in that room in the next five years. They're going to walk out of there. (laughs) They're going to want prayer. They're going to pray for people. And we're going to need a youth and children's ministry. And so those are exciting things that we see in the next five years, at the least. Now, also, if our church grows at the same rate that it did in the first five years and we established three more church plants, we will have quadrupled to 2,000 people at seven sites. By God's grace, if he allows us to continue at the rate we have concurrently grown at, we will be at 2,000. Uh, to give you a better picture, this means that hillside may be at 1,000. One will be at 500. Seaside will have to hit about 200 or more. Sydney, I think, will hit easily four to 500. Melbourne will be starting out maybe at 150 and so on. But there will be 2,000 people in our weekly attendance. This may seem like a large number to us because we're a fairly small, medium-sized church. But it's not a large number to God. On the day of Pentecost, 3,000 people got saved, got baptized in water. And the church was continually added. Numbers were added as the apostles went out. And did the ministry. This is exciting. Amen. Now these things are not out of our personal ambition. I can assure you that. And it's not out of a production oriented mind. Aaron and I are hardly striving and performing to gain the approval and pleasure of God. We already know we have it. In Christ, God is fully pleased with us. We're not looking for the well-pleased. We're simply looking for the well done. The well done will come as we obey the Lord's voice and faithfully carry out the plans that he has put on our hearts. As Dr. Kirby preached at the retreat, Christians need to stop worrying about the consequences of obeying God and start thinking about the consequences of not obeying God. Because disobedience is always more costly than obedience. You know, if the Lord has given to us one talent. We want to multiply that one talent for his glory. But as you know, in the parable, God also gives other people five talents. Hey, God, that's not fair. He's got one. This guy's got five. Well, it gets worse. There's another guy that gets 10 talents. Whatever the amount of talents God has entrusted to our church. And also to Aaron and my leadership, we simply want to be faithful to steward it for his glory. We want to multiply it and bring glory to his name when he returns. So that's our heart. And so we had this kind of vision collaboration meeting, and that's just kind of the broad conservative strokes of what we think we ought to see in the next five years. This is what I call. The scaredy cat vision. Because this is simply in the progression that we've already experienced. But how many of you guys know God is a God of acceleration? You know, you get a car into the third gear, it takes less work to keep it up at that speed than it does to get it from zero to 25 miles per hour to get into first gear. Anyone, anyone drive stick? Anyone drives manual here? You guys know how hard when you first drive a manual you have to get the clutch and the gas in the right balance. If you don't put enough gas, your car is going to stall. But after you get it into first gear, it's boom. You just shift to the next gears. And the car begins to accelerate. Or in the same way, we believe that God may want to accelerate us as well. And so we have to prepare our hearts. Do you understand why it's necessary for us to have new wineskin hearts all over again? Pastor Aaron just turned 30 last month. In the five days leading up to her 30th birthday, God woke her up in the morning to pray. This was unusual because normally she's in bed when I'm getting up, washing up. God said four things to her. ...during these days, and they came out of Mark chapter 1 through 4. God told her four things, and she shared this with me as we were doing the vision collaboration yesterday. Because as I was challenging her, and I was like, look, if we just grow at the same rate, we're going to be at 2,000. you got to wrap your mind around that, because that may very well be a possibility. God willing, he will do it. And it made her nervous. And even talking about expanding Emmaus internationally and planning more Emmaus chapters... It made her very uncomfortable. For me, I'm naturally geared to be a mover. I'm a, I'm a mover. I'm a, I, I go. God says, go, I go. Where are we going? I don't know, but I go. <laughs> but Pastor Aaron, she's not naturally geared that way. And so it makes her a lot more nervous. But the way that God was challenging her to be more new, wine skin hard at this hour was God spoke to her through four things during these five days leading up to her 30th birthday. The first thing God said to her was, take authority over the morning. And so God was waking her up. And God was telling her, pray for the house. Pastor Sonny encouraged her, pray for the house when you wake up in the morning like that. You know what Pastor Sonny Robinson has been doing, our spiritual mom, back in Emeryville, California? Pastor Sonny, you know what she does? She takes a group of five or six women. And they have a weekly all-time. Night prayer meeting on Friday nights. So they get there around 11, 12 midnight. And they pray all the way until the morning. Every single week. God did not speak to Pastor Aaron in the same way. (laughs) But for now, it's just take authority over the morning. Second thing God spoke to her was. God's about to pour out new wine, but it's going to require new wineskin. So that same theme. God highlighted to her third thing. God says, stretch out your hand. There's a miracle that's listed here between Mark one through four, where a guy with a shriveled up hand comes before Jesus. And Jesus says, stretch out your hand. Now, this is a peculiar thing to say to a man with a shriveled up hand. It's almost offensive, insulting, insensitive. You know, it's like. Okay, I can't think of a good example, but it's very offensive. This guy has a shriveled up hand. But what God was speaking to Pastor Aaron through this miracle was do what you couldn't do before. Because God's going to give you the power to do it. Stretch out your hand like you've never done before. So God was challenging her through that. That's the third thing. Fourth thing is God spoke to her and said a lamp is not meant to be put under a bowl, but on a stand. For if you do not use what you have, even what you have will be taken from you. That was the fourth thing. If you want to stay comfortable with the Emmaus chapters we currently have. If you want to stay comfortable with the church plants that we currently have and discipling the wonderful people that we currently have. You want to get comfortable in that. But your talents and what God's entrusted you for exceeds what you're stewarding. And you know God is challenging you to go deeper and go bigger. If you take those talents and you hide them under a bowl. You take that lamp and put it under a bed. Even what you have may be taken from you. You know one thing God isn't. God is not a communist. You'll notice throughout the scriptures. God takes from the one who has. And gives to the one who has more. He's not a communist. He doesn't wait forever for you to. Obey his voice. God's a mover. He's got sovereign plans. He got big plans for the world. He's not going to wait for you forever to get connected and partner with the plans that he's doing on the earth. That's why it's important for us to be awake and to listen for the voice of the spirit. So these four things take authority over the mornings. God's about to pour out new wine. Stretch out your hand and don't put the lamb under a bowl. That's what God spoke to her. And I looked up the passage uh, that regarding the fourth point. It comes from Mark chapter 4. So I want everyone to turn to that. Mark chapter 4, verses 21 to 25. And I'm going to read in the ESV. Mark chapter 4, verses 21 to 25. Mark four, twenty one. Jesus said to them, is a lamp brought in to be put under a basket or under a bed and not on a stand for nothing is hidden except to be made manifest, nor is anything secret except to come to light. If anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. And he said to them, pay attention to what you hear. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you, and still more will be added to you. For to the one who has, more will be given. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. That's a bit of a scary verse. God is patient. God is kind. But don't make the mistake. That when God says move and you're at a certain place of maturity and you refuse to move, that God's going to wait for you forever. He may take what he has given you and he may entrust it to someone else. He may take even what you have and take it from you. For nothing is hidden except to be made manifest. You know, in a certain way, our ministry has been hidden for these first five years. And we are still very much hidden. But there's going to come a day where God's going to make Things may manifest. He's going to bring things out from the secret place and bring it into the light. But here's the thing, New Philly. Our church, we got to be at a deeper level of spirituality. We got to be at a higher level of maturity before we come out into the light. Before God makes manifest those things that are hidden. Let me tell you, you got to embrace and enjoy this hidden season. Because once things go public and once things are much more open, you won't be able to put it back to under the hidden place. The hidden place will be over. You know, king, king David, before he became a king, he was just a little shepherd boy. But it was in that shepherd boy hillside role in which David was raised up as a man after God's own heart. It was in that place he knew how to Move in the power of the anointing of the spirit. And to kill even a lion and a bear when they came to attack the sheep. Embrace the hidden place because God is preparing you for what is to come. New Philly, God wants to take us into a new season for these next five years. But let me tell you something right now. It will not happen automatically. We have got to do our part. And let me tell you something. There's an enemy. Satan. He does not want us to catch what God's about to do. He does not want us to catch and be ready for what God's about to do. He he would rather have us be asleep, struggling with the same old doubts from the last five years. But God's calling us to rise up. This past week, we had about 435 people gather for our churchwide retreat. My spiritual great-grandfather, Dr. Kirby Clements, flew in all the way from Atlanta, Georgia, to be our main speaker. It was his first time in Asia. In addition, my spiritual father, Pastor Benjamin, and also his spiritual father, Pastor Robert Daniels, and all of their wives, they all flew in and ministered powerfully at the retreat. Amen? I mean, they ministered powerfully, richly, deeply, And it was also a very special retreat for me because they did um, a little ordination ceremony for me. You know, it wasn't to uh, nullify the ordination I already received through KiCam. But it was to give me uh, a much more meaningful one to me personally. One that I felt like the Lord had promised. And so, you know, that was also a special part of the retreat. Anyway, I'm not here to talk about me. Let's talk about the retreat. (laughs) The retreat... Hear me carefully. Was powerful. Amen. (laughs) It was powerful. But you know, this retreat was not like your typical retreat. It wasn't a retreat to try to strengthen backsliding people. The theme of the retreat came out of 1 Corinthians chapter 2 about God's hidden wisdom. The retreat was all about taking us out of our shallow spirituality and taking us deeper with God. We need to stop doing retreats where all the time we're just going from the same old struggles. Same old struggles with sin. The same old struggle. We need to go deeper with God. We need to stop just memorizing the same old Ephesians 2, 8, 9. And we need to go deeper with God. We need to draw out the richness that's contained here in the word of God. And our guest speakers challenged us to do that. You know, during the retreat, I had a dream. And in this dream, I went head first and I dove into the swimming pool. And in the dream, I hit my head. Now, the pool, now, I'm a very safe diver. I don't dive when I think the water is shallow. Okay? This is wisdom for you. Anyone who likes to dive head first, if you dive in shallow water, you're going to get paralyzed. You're going to kill yourself. Okay? Don't do it. Now, in the dream, I thought it looked like to me the swimming pool was deep. Like 12 feet deep. So I just went head first and dove in. But when I dove in, I hit my head on the bottom of the pool. And when I came up, I had this big old lump on my head. And when I woke up from the dream, I thought there was a lump there. I was looking for the lump. (laughs) And what happened was later, Pastor Benjamin preached during his message about how the spiritual depth of most Christians is about as deep as a kiddie pool. (laughs) Man, when he said that, that reminded me of my dream. On the appearance, my spirituality looks deep. looks wide. But if you dive into it, you might find that it's quite shallow, actually. And I felt like the deep things of God, the hidden wisdom of God, Is not to be possessed by a casual observer. But only by those who are devoted to God's presence. Who learn how to get into a habit. Of meditating. And stewarding his wisdom and revelation. You don't go. You don't become spiritually deep. By treating the Bible like the way you treat your Facebook newsfeed. You know. The Facebook news feed is a little bit dangerous, and we need to exercise self-control in how we use Facebook. Because if you keep using the Facebook news feed or Instagram feed or whatever other social media feed, you know, back in the day, we had Zanga, this blogging system, okay? Zanga was very popular at one point when I was a college student. Everybody had it. But the entries were much longer. People used to actually write things that were of meaning, But then Facebook came along and decided, you know what? We're going to put Zenga out of business. And the way we're going to put it out of business is we're just going to give people little short little status updates. And so it went from these meaningful blog entries to just, I woke up today. (laughs) Look at my shoes. You know, selfies, you know. Oh, look at how cute I am. I got nothing against selfies, but, you know, it's become very shallow. And if you keep looking at the feed, it's training your brain to only pay attention to little bits of information at a time, scattered, and it fragments your brain. And it, it actually hinders your ability to focus and concentrate. You may have noticed that already. I know I've noticed it. And so that's why I think Pastor Benjamin really challenges our generation to get back to the, the discipline of meditation. We've got to learn how to meditate again. How to get into the deep things of God. Not have an agenda and just let the word of God start to speak to us. Let it soak in. Meditate on it day and night. He's like a tree that's planted by streams of water. Psalm chapter 1. We Got to learn how to meditate. But, you know, our generation, we're just going from one thing to another. We're just that casual observer. And we got to stop doing that with the word of God. And I'm convinced that this past retreat was designed by God to prepare us for the next season and the new thing that he's about to do at New Philly and all over the earth. But as Jesus taught in the parable of the sower, we have to understand that we have an enemy that would love nothing more than to steal the word of God from us while it is in seed form. You know, whenever the word of God comes to you, it comes to you in seed form. It has not produced any fruit in your life yet. It has not produced any harvest in your life yet. And Jesus taught to the of the sower. <laughs> is this seed has to take root. It has to get into the soil of your heart. But that the enemy does everything to keep that seed from ever producing any fruit. And the way he does that is he comes and snatches up the seed, just like the birds of the air. Whenever seeds scatter, birds come and start pecking up at, at the seed. You know, ever see some birds like that? You know? That's what the devil does. And we have been scattered a rich seed. Some of these seeds are tiny, but they have the DNA for huge growth, mustard tree growth. You know, an acorn, you know, an acorn and a huge slab of marble, you know, archaeologists have studied. You know, if you have an acorn go against a huge slab of marble, what do you think will win? You would think this huge slab of marble would, right? Well, there have been archaeological studies where little acorns were planted underneath like a big slab of marble. And eventually when that acorn grew, it was split the marble in half. Don't underestimate the power of the seed. The word of God, it comes in seed form. It may look not very impressive, but man, when these seeds grow, oh, it's powerful. It turns the world upside down. But Satan wants nothing more than to take away the word of God from your heart while it is in seed form. You know, last few days on Thursday. I got severe food poisoning symptoms. So the night before, we had dinner at a restaurant. And the day after, I began to vomit very violently in the morning. And then I went, uh, I don't mean to give you too many details, but this is essential details. Uh, I went diarrhea soon after that. All right. And then I came back into my bed, drank a little bit of water, and I went back again. And I threw up. And then as I'm throwing up, I had to switch over and and do diarrhea again. (laughs) I mean, it was terrible. Back and forth, back and forth. And so I threw up about four times. and went diarrhea about four times. And I was so dehydrated, I was about to faint. So fortunately, um, my wife was there, and she walked me across the street to a doctor's. And then they had to put an IV in me to rehydrate me. And then they gave me some antibiotics and some medicine. And uh, I got a little bit, I got, I got rehydrated, which was, you know, very good. And then I'm slowly getting better. But even right now, you know, I'm praying that there will, there will be no accidents during this sermon because (laughs) this morning was brutal as well. So pray for me, pray for me. Well, this is on Thursday. Well, yesterday on Saturday, when, when I came home from the office with my wife and Dr. Tony Beckham, my wife, Pastor Aaron, she started to get the same exact symptoms, identical. We didn't even eat the same thing. This is delayed by a couple days, and she got the same exact symptoms: started to throw up, get chills, and then get hot, and then diarrhea, and then throw up. Except her case, she um, vomited about seven times during the night, and went diarrhea about seven times during, seven to eight times during the night. It was like 10 times worse than mine. And so my heart is just breaking, and I'm just watching to see if she can recover. And around uh, around 9.30, 10 p.m., I had to rush her to the ER. I mean, she literally was about to pass out from dehydration. And when you got to the ER, it wasn't pleasant. Uh, We went to a bigger hospital thinking that they'd treat us better. You know, I went to a dinky little doctor's office across the street. but Unfortunately, they were closed last night. So we couldn't go there. Went to this big old hospital with the ER. You think they treat us better, right? Nope. They made her wait for like a whole hour. And eventually when they saw her, they started drawing blood from her. Now, my wife at this time is passing out in and out of consciousness. I'm watching her and I used to be a former lifeguard. So I I know how to pick up dehydration symptoms. And if you don't treat dehydration quickly, people can die. Like when they pass out, they may not wake up again. People go into comas when they get dehydrated. So it's very very like things are weighing weighing in the balance. So in my broken Korean, I'm trying to tell them, I'm I'm a Korean-American. I don't speak Korean well. Can you just understand where I'm coming from? Listen, my wife is dehydrated. Dehydration. Dehydration. I was just trying, whatever, to get the doctors and nurses to get some help. And these nurses, these nurses are going up to some kid with a little scratch on his forehead. You know, oh, what happened? And they're taking like 45 minutes to interview this little kid. And there's nothing more to say. He fell off the couch and he scratched his head. You need a 45-minute interview with a five-year-old for taking their own time. I'm like, my wife needs some immediate attention. Anyway, they're drawing blood. And then because she's dehydrated, they can't find a vein. And the guys are like forcing the blood out, you know, and Aaron's like twitching. And so I just stepped in. And I said, all right, we need to do the blood work later. We need an IV for her right now. And so the nurse was like, okay, all right. Is that what you want? Yeah, that's what I want. <laughs> what kind of hospital is this? Anyway, she gets her IV and even after she got her IV, she kept losing her consciousness. And so I kept trying to keep her awake. Because I, I didn't want to her in a coma or something like that. So, I mean, it was like really serious last night. Uh, fortunately, after about an hour, hour of the IV drip, she started to uh, come back. And she didn't feel, she wasn't shivering. She was like super cold during that whole hour. It was a very difficult time. But during that time, I emailed our church active leaders and asked them to pray for us. And Pastor Sunny, she emailed uh, Aaron and I as well. And at 10.10 10 p.m. last night, this is the email that I received from Pastor Sonny. Pastor Sonny said this. I was praying all night last night, and I spent some time praying for New Philly. I heard the Lord say that the sickness you had was prophetic. God gave kingdom wisdom and revelation during the retreat. And the enemy is trying to put a virus or bacteria in the body so that the body will throw up all the wisdom and revelation. I felt like God told me to tell you to activate your intercessors, to pray against the scheme of the enemy and to pray for protection so that the body can hold on to the kingdom food that will nourish and strengthen the body. Then I came home and I saw on Facebook that Aaron had the same sickness. This is beyond physical sickness, but spiritual. What God gave to New Philly during this retreat is powerful and is needed for the next journey. You must hold on and digest it. You cannot allow any virus to enter into the body and throw it up. We are praying for you at New Philly, Pastor Sonny. When I saw that, I was just thinking, man, this is pretty bizarre. You know, how does this happen right after the retreat, almost back to back? We didn't even eat the same thing. Same symptoms. And I just felt like for me, when I got attacked, Satan was attacking the leadership. Because, you know, I represent the head of the household. You know, I represent the lead pastor role. And I felt like when Erin got attacked, although she's also the lead pastor, you know, oftentimes the church is seen as the bride of Christ. I felt like for, when Erin got attacked, and she got attacked ten times more, ten times more severely, I felt like that Satan was attacking the body of Christ, the church here. But Satan is attacking both the leadership... And their entire body. And it's trying to get us to vomit out or diarrhea out all of the wisdom and revelation that we received at the retreat. So that we will be weak and dehydrated, unable to enter into the next season. That's how I interpreted what's been happening. You know do you know what vomit and diarrhea really is? What is it essentially? It's it's unprocessed food. Food that has not been properly processed. You know, diarrhea may have gone through your intestines, but doesn't mean that all the nutrients from that food has been taken out of it. When you vomit it out, it's also unprocessed food. It smells. It smells really bad. And just as natural food must be chewed on, number one, church, we got to chew on the word of God. If you don't chew on food, on natural food, you're going to choke. And you may gag and vomit. But it's the same with the spiritual food. You know, milk is for babies. But Apostle Paul said solid food is for the mature. What we got at the retreat may have given you a little bit of indigestion because it's solid food. This is meat. This is steak. Like medium rare steak. You better chew on this thing before you swallow it. And just as natural food must be chewed on, we must also chew on the messages that we receive, the prophecies that we have heard. We have got to chew on it again. I think that means to go back and listen to it again. Take an outline of these types of messages and outline the things that God's highlighting for you. Write down and transcribe the prophecies you may have received during the retreat, through a guest speaker, through a small group leader, through even a friend. But one thing don't do is don't choke. Nobody likes somebody that chokes. Amen? In sports, nobody likes a person that chokes, right? You know, it's like, hey, give me the ball. Give me the ball. Three seconds left. Give me the ball. Give me the ball. You give them the ball and then, glank. And they miss the basketball uh, hoop. I'm talking about basketball, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> you know, nobody likes somebody who chokes. People like Tom Brady. People like Tom Brady because Tom Brady is a quarterback that, that no matter what the circumstances are, that boy might just win you the game. And he has won the game. A greater percentage of times than he has lost it. He has won late quarter comebacks. Amazing man. Amazing athlete. And, and, and I don't, that has nothing to do with my message. I'm sorry about that. <laughs> just don't choke, all right? Chew on the word of God is what I'm trying to say. And then after you chew on the word, what's interesting is. In the natural, natural food that's been chewed on, it needs to go in through your digestive system. It takes time to digest, and it takes time for your intestines to ingest the nutrients of that food. Well, in the same way, spiritual food that has been chewed on, it needs time to digest. That means that you don't rush through it onto the next lesson. You learn how to spend time meditating and letting it soak and nourish you. You know, if food just rushes through your intestines, that's called diarrhea. Too many Christians, they take in all this rich revelation and wisdom and sermons, and then it just rushes through their system. You know, they they eat the food. You know, people who eat too fast, they usually have indigestion issues, digestion issues. There's some Christians. What's next? What's next? And we need to learn how to chew it. Mmm. 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 We need to take time to let that word soak. And we got go to the, we gotta go to the source. We got to go to Jesus. Right? Just as Pastor Benjamin preached about the said and the unsaid. So many times, we as Christians, we shallow, kiddie pool Christians, we like everything spoon-fed. And as preachers, we're tempted to spoon-feed everybody. But that's not how you make mature Christians. To get mature Christians, you've got to give them a portion of the revelation. And then you've got to challenge them to go to the presence of God. Search the scriptures. See if everything is true. And then have God unpack things that the preacher didn't even touch upon. That the preacher wanted to touch upon, but he didn't have enough time to touch upon it. Or the preacher wanted to touch upon, but the Holy Spirit said, don't touch upon that. You know, if I unpack everything for you in every sermon, and sometimes I do that. You know, you don't own it. But when you discover it for yourself, you're like, oh, this is my revelation. Oh, this is what God's been speaking to me. You know, like the four things that Pastor Aaron, God spoke to her right before her 30th birthday. And that spoke to me. But man, for Pastor Aaron, she owns that revelation. She's like, oh, this is what God is highlighting for me. Personally, right now, at this time. And and as Christians, we should always be having that kind of revelation we're holding on to in any season. In every season. We should be hearing what the Spirit of the Lord is highlighting for us. If you don't take time to meditate and digest the word... We can have the word pass through our system, but it comes out as diarrhea. No nourishment or growth can come from chronic diarrhea. We have to understand that there's nothing wrong with the food. The word of God, there's not. This is nutritious. This is nutritious. The problem is often with the body. And the habits that the body has. WebMD said last night, I was looking up WebMD, said, Ongoing diarrhea causes the body to lose large amounts of water and nutrients. It's not that your body's getting nutrients very quickly, it's that it's not getting nutrients at all. We need to stop doing that with the rich, rich revelation that God's been releasing to our house. Satan tries to get us to throw away everything. Rather than grow in our discernment. You know, uh, when a person gets food poisoning. By eating contaminated lettuce. The answer is not to stop eating lettuce. The answer is not to stop eating vegetables. That's ludicrous. Why? Because lettuce and vegetables are nourishing. It wasn't the lettuce that caused the food poisoning. It was the virus or the bacteria. The E. coli that was growing on that lettuce. That people should have washed. So I'm not going to go ahead and wash their hands before they handle that lettuce they gave me. And in the same way, Satan sometimes, when there's a powerful move of God at a church or at a retreat, he will also plant his bacteria, his virus, to try to misalign that movement. Or he'll put in doubts. He'll put in his own little seeds and his little his little gold dust of doubt. You know, his little. Gold dust of doubt. (laughs) Wherever powerful revelation is released, Satan is also going to plant his little bacteria and virus to try to get us to vomit it out. To get us to reject it altogether. You know, one of the temptations I have is to never go back to Pizzeria Uno. Why? Because that's the last meal I had before I got food poisoning. And for Pastor Aaron, it's going to be to never go back to bed again, because that's what she had the last meal before she got sick. But the answer is not to avoid Pizzeria Uno. The answer is to go to the bathroom, make sure the employees are washing their hands every time they go back to work. You know, in America, there are little signs that are posted in the restrooms. Employees must always wash your hands. In Korea, they're starting to become more commonplace to see those signs as well. You know, that's a little tangent I was actually going to go on, but I'm not going to go on that. I'll give that to you later. Okay, there's actually a message in that, washing your hands. I'm going to let y'all figure out the unsaid, okay? <laughs> there's a powerful revelation in that, right? When, when powerful revelation is coming from man of God, right? and it's coming from clean hands, oh, come on, all right? I'm going to leave it at that. Right, anyway, <laughs> let's not take for granted the rich revelation that we receive at the retreat, because if we take it for granted, and we are found asleep and not stewarding and going deeper with God regarding these things, even what we have may be taken from us. And that a scary thought. It's a sobering thought, but it's absolutely true. It's a ooh, you devil. You see that? You see that fly just went right into my water. You see that? That That's just prophetic happening right during the sermon. (laughs) Satan trying to put a little bacteria through that nasty little dirty fly. Do you wash your hands, Jay? Thank you. There's a lot of unsaid going on right now here. Figure that out. Hey, Mark chapter 421. Jesus said, is a lamp brought in to be put under a basket or under a bed or not a stand? is it not to be put on a stand? And he said to them, pay attention to what you hear. With the measure you use, it will be measured to you and it still more will be added to you. For to the one who has, more will be given. And for the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. We must meditate on the wisdom and words of God that he imparted to us through the retreat. We got to also go to the source of all wisdom, Jesus Christ. And we got to discern spiritual truths by the filling of the Holy Spirit. We got to get that unsaid in the secret place. Just as Pastor Benjamin preached, don't be found sleeping under the sign. Go to Jesus and he will unveil and unpack all the wisdom and mysteries of the kingdom. But he'll do it only in the place of intimacy. This is why the Psalms have such a rich theology, because it comes out of this continual communion with the Lord. You think they were just musicians, right? But no, the psalmists, it has some of the most powerful Christological theology, like all this Christological imagery about his death. You know, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Jesus said that verbatim on the cross. Such rich theology coming out of communion. So I want to challenge y'all. Go to the place of prayer. Go to even K1 and just come to just minister to the Lord. Just spend spend that time to really let the word of God soak in and for you to meditate on what he's saying to you. And just as our physical bodies fight bacteria or a viral attack, as the body of Christ, the church, we must fight this demonic attack. You know, in past retreats We've too easily allowed the devil to steal the words that were preached from sinking deep. You know, if I had to confess to you, 2013 was a powerful retreat. There were some rich revelations Stephen Bochamp gave, some powerful revelation Pastor Benjamin gave. But let me confess to you, I failed to steward those revelations. I always had it in mind, let me go back and listen. Those were good messages. I didn't catch everything. Let me go back and listen one day. And one day never came. But here's another confession. 2012 retreat. That was an encounter. Transformed people's lives all over the world. Pastor Benjamin's first message in that encounter retreat. It was shared over like 20,000 times. So many people listened to it. And I always thought, let me go back and listen to it too. But I didn't. I got another confession to you. 2011. Was 2011 the encounter retreat? All right. Why well, y'all have to correct me earlier? Hey, 2012 was also a powerful retreat. Uh, it was uh, Pastor Benjamin and Pastor Robert Daniels at Padre Retreat Center. Oh, that's powerful. Pastor Daniels released some powerful things on that day. We weren't, even, we weren't even ready at that time. We weren't like nowhere ready. A lot of people were falling asleep because they were nowhere ready. But it was some powerful, deep stuff. In 2011 was the Encounter Retreat where it got downloaded 20,000 times. I got to confess to you. That in the past, I've too easily allowed the devil to take these words that were in seed form and just snatch it from my heart. Because let me confess, it has not produced the fruit that that word should have produced. And when I feel like what God is saying in this year is, you can't afford to do that again. Because these next five years will crush you if you don't get yourself ready. We've got to stop vomiting and stop number 3 <laughs> out the rich revelation of God. If you don't know what number three is, talk to somebody. They'll give you the unsaid. <laughs> you know, I don't think it's coincidence that yesterday Pastor Aaron and I were discussing division for the next five years. I think Satan, he saw that exciting discussion going on. And he wanted nothing more than to stop it. And the one way that he's trying to stop it, you see, our physical bodies are manifesting the warfare that's happening in your minds right now. In your minds right now, Satan is planting all kinds of little virus, little bacteria of doubt. You know, he's, 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 he's maybe even physically attacked your body as well to get you weak, so dehydrated. So you don't, you, don't, you don't take the time to look through the messages again. You know, our physical bodies are manifesting the attack that's happening in the minds of all our church members at all our campuses, even down in New Philly, Sydney. And you got to catch this. You got to catch this. (laughs) See, the, the devil, the devil can come right in your face. There was a little fly on the cup, by the way. The devil can come right at your face, but we got to understand that whenever he comes up in our face, got to punch him in the mouth. Back in Philly, that's what people who didn't know how to fight. That's what they did. They sucker punch you. And you pop him right in the mouth. The game's over. They're not going to fight back. That's what we've got to do to the devil. He comes right up to your face. All these doubts and all this, you just punch them in the mouth. You go to the place of prayer. You go to the place of meditation. and Meditate on the words of God that you receive at this retreat. Because it's going to prepare us for the new thing that God's about to do. Okay, This is what I'm going to do right now. I'm going to get somebody on the keyboard. I'm going to make two challenges right now at all the church campuses. So stay with me, video broadcast. I'll tell you when to cut it first challenge is i need intercessors to rise up and pray because right now we're getting attacked and the weapons of our warfare are not carnal they're not natural they're mighty through god for pulling down strongholds though we walk in the flesh we do not wage war according to the flesh for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal but they're mighty through god for pulling down strongholds our fight is not against the flesh and blood our fight is not against you know, physical vomiting and diarrhea. Our fight is against the devil. But the Bible says, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. But a lot of Christians, we, f- we skip submitting to God. We just resist the devil, resist the devil, resist the devil. And we wonder why the devil's not fleeing from us. And at the retreat, the guest speakers, they talked about how it's very important that we submit to God. And there's areas of our lives... That we've been hiding from God. That we've been keeping from God. we got to come to Him with a fresh surrender and submission. we got to come to Him with a willing heart. Submit to God. Resist the devil. And he will flee from you. The first challenge goes out to the intercessors. The intercessors of the church are like white blood cells. The white blood cells identify the bacteria and the viruses. And they go out there and they kill those viruses and, and, and bacteria. We need prophetic intercessors that know how to pray with precision. But we need committed intercessors. Because Satan is attacking our church a particular way at this hour. Because he's trying to stop our movement from going into the next five years. But with the intercessors rising up, I believe that no weapon formed against us shall prosper. Christ will lead us into triumphal victory. So the first challenge is going to go out for intercessors to rise up and commit and then the second challenge I'm going to give to all the church is I want all the sons and daughters of this house to commit to re-listen to the sermons from the retreat. At least three sermons. Your, cho- your choice. At least three sermons from the retreat. Listen to the uh, sermons and then spend an equal amount of time in prayer praying over the outline of the sermon, meditating on the outline of the sermon. Okay, so my challenge, the second challenge is For all the sons and daughters who are willing to do this, commit to re-listen to the retreat sermons. Outline it while you're listening to it again. The things that God's highlighting. And then spend an equal amount of time. If you spend an hour listening to the sermon, then spend an hour meditating and in prayer before the presence of God. So that you chew on that word. And then you allow the word to digest and nourish you. So that the body of Christ can be nourished. Those are the two challenges I'm going to put out right now. If you don't want nothing to do with it, you just close your eyes and pray on your own. But these are for the people that, that want to rise. That whether you were at the retreat or not, you can get the same messages. Everybody has access to it on the internet. So the first challenge is to the intercessors. If you know that God has given you a call to intercession, you, you feel alive when you intercede for people, and when you intercede for the church, or you would like to just intercede. I want, I want to ask people who would like to do this. Okay, you can cut the... Uh, broadcast now uh campus pastors why don't you come to the front and you lead the rest of this altar call at our different campuses